Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen, guys. Well, this morning, um, I want to talk to you uh, about boxes, boxes. So every parent or grandparent has uh, experienced this strange phenomenon where you buy a $100 present for your, or $50 present for your kid or your grandchild, and then they open the present and then they play with the box. Raise your hand if that's happened to you or if you remember as a kid playing with the box instead of the actual toy. And this is a, this is a, a box that my son, who's two, uh, if you can see the color on it, he, he just draws on it. We literally threw it on the ground and then he got the markers and the crayons out. Next thing you know, all the, the, he has so many toys and yet this is something that he can do for 30 minutes at a time. And it's just a box. It's a cardboard box. And I don't know if you, I don't know if any of you young people remember, I, we used to make like, we used to make like entire forts out of like cardboard boxes. You know what I'm saying? We'd like make these crazy, crazy configurations with these, we duct tape them. We'd made like this robot suit one time we're filled with like cardboard. And, and really we're talking today, I'm talking today, not about boxes in general, but the title of my message is God is bigger than your box. God's bigger than your box. And um, as we get going into this message, I want to read Psalm 139, 7 through 10. And that is, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So this psalm tells of the uh, uh, omnipresence of God in which anywhere and everywhere we go, God is there. We cannot run away from him. We cannot sin enough. We cannot, there is nothing, neither height nor depth nor angels nor demons, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. And this is the essence of God's nature is that he's omnipresent, that he is everywhere at all times, not just in the church building. And so in my message today, God's bigger than your box, we're going to talk about how sometimes living in a Christian culture or somewhat Christian culture, we instinctually start placing God or placing limits on God and in turn putting God in a box that he was never designed to be in. So we, we, we go through life and we have our church time and we have our worship time, 25 minutes at the beginning of the message. That's the time that I worship. We have our Bible study time. We have, we have our serving time. We have all these different compartments that we place our spiritual life in. And therefore, we limit God's involvement in our life because we don't expect him to interact with us outside of the box that we've placed him in. We have this nice little comfort, comfortable God who we've, who we've uh, not, not maliciously or sinfully created, but in our human nature have created a version of God that we are comfortable with, that we interact with. And the message is God's bigger than the box that we place him in. So I was, uh, I, when I was in college, I, actually, I went to college to be an elementary school teacher. And I was student teaching and... Uh, as I was student teaching, 
I, had a, uh, I was in the fourth grade classroom at Harrison Park Elementary School uh, in GRPS, GRPS school. And yeah, woo, that's the second person. I had someone in the first service to give me a whoop whoop. So I got another Harrison Park person here. And uh, fourth grade classroom, and I, was, uh, it was, I went to Art Prize. So I was a student teacher, and then I went to Art Prize. And so I was walking through Art Prize, and then I saw one of my students, one of my fourth grade students. So he saw him, I was walking, we were like kind of like meeting. And then I was like, Jamie. And Jamie like looked at me and he was like. He was like, who is that? And I was like, Jamie. He's like, Mr. B? That was my name, Mr. B. Because I was, you know, you don't, you don't call your teacher by your first name. So Mr. B? Because yeah, telling kids how to pronounce blau camp, like blau camp, blau, blau camp, blau camp. Yeah. Don't even get me started. Okay. So, uh, he's like, Mr. B. And I'm like, yeah, Mr. B. So I saw him, I took a picture with him. It was like, it was this funny moment. If you're a teacher or you know a teacher, your parents, a teacher or something, you know that when, whenever you see your teacher in real life, kids are like, you don't live at school. You know, like, like you're a real human being. <laughs> like this is what elementary kids uh, think. In the, I still kind of have that. I remember one time I was walking through Target, being a youth pastor. I was walking through Target. And I saw some of like some of the like the like I think eighth grade students, and they saw me and they were like, "Oh my gosh, it's Pastor Jake!" <laughs> like, so I still have that. But the point of the story is, is Jamie. He he thought he knew me. I know Mister B. He's my teacher. I see him every day, five days a week at at Harrison Park. He always wears a button-up shirt, and some slacks and dress shoes. Yeah, he teaches his math and teaches. Yeah, I know, I know Mr. B. Mr. B, like, yeah, I know him. I know Mr. B. I got a nice little box about who Mr. B is. And that's who that's Mr. B. The problem is, is that when I saw and interacted with Jamie in an environment different than the box that he created. He didn't recognize me. And I wonder how many times I, but we, have missed God or we have not recognized God because of the box we've placed him in. I wonder how many times God has been reaching out to us by his grace and his love and his mercy. I wonder how many times he's placed little kisses of grace, if I can call them that, in your life to, to woo you and win you and, and to pursue you and to, to show you that he cares and he's present. And I wonder how many times that he has done that for us, but because we've placed limits and boundaries on God's interactions with us, we've totally walked by, he's called us, we look and we turn and we keep on going. And this is the nature of living specifically in American culture where everything is so like Christianized. Like you have a dollar bill that says, in God we trust. And we, uh, you know, there's churches on every corner and, 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 people, and we, we pray before, you know, we pray before meals and even Christians, like, they'll, they'll pray at certain things. You do weddings and people are like, I want a traditional Christian wedding. And then we're gonna get drunk and plastered after we do the wedding ceremony. It's like crazy that we live in such a culture, like a Christian culture in which Christ isn't involved in. And that leads us to this place, whether you know it or not, that we are being formed and influenced to put God in boxes that he never intended himself to be in. And today I want to talk to us about how God 
desires nonstop connection with us. He desires a relational connection with us that transcends church attendance. It transcends uh, just simply reading our Bibles, although I highly recommend reading your Bible. It transcends our prayer time. It transcends our Bible studies. It transcends our worship time. It is actually an entire integrated life in which God is at the center, in which we are following Jesus actively on a daily, even an hourly basis in order to live a life that is worthy of the price that Christ came to pay for us. And it's not compartmentalizing our life saying, I have this time and God time. I have church time and family time. I have sports time and I have social media time and then I have my God time. And I, we, we compartmentalize our lives so much and God never intended it. He intended our whole life to be integrated, to be whole, to be, to be uh, consistent. And Jesus came to make that possible. And so as I I wonder how many times we've missed God. It still doesn't stop the fact that God desires nonstop connection with us. Now, I'll tell you what this message isn't. I'm not here to beat you up and say, look at how many times you've missed God. I'm here to tell you God is actively pursuing you. Don't be shameful and condemn yourself. Open your eyes and start looking because the life and the adventure that God has for you far exceeds anything you could ever imagine if we would realize that God's love, his grace, and his presence is closer than we could ever think. Give me a thumbs up if you're following. If you're watching online, give a thumbs up if this is making sense and if you're ready to go, ready to keep moving. So this problem of boxes, this problems of placing limits in our own human understanding on God's interaction with our life is not new. It's, 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 it's all throughout human history. And so if you rewind to the time where Jesus had come, so rewind a little over 2,000 years ago, the Jewish people had an idea of who the Messiah the savior of Israel, who the Messiah was going to be. They had an idea that they misunderstood the Old Testament scriptures and they thought the Messiah was going to be a revolutionary political leader. They pictured him as being the one who would overthrow the Roman empire that was oppressing the Jewish people. So all of the synagogue, the, the, the religious leaders, and even the, the lay people, the normal Jewish people, Imagine the Messiah coming to overthrow the Roman Empire. And so they put the Messiah or God in this box saying, this is how he's going to show up. God is going to show, God is going to show up as the Messiah, as a political revolutionary leader who will overthrow the Roman Empire. We have this box and we like this box. Because this box is really comfortable. This box gives us assurance that all the other nations, that we're going to rule over all the other nations. This gives us assurance as Jewish people that all the other people have their, but we're the ones, we have the one true God. They had their assurance that they would eventually rule over the entire world. And so they had the box, they had their understanding, they had their limits. And here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. Jesus comes, and even after, so Jesus had died and risen from the dead, and this is what the disciples said in Acts 1.6. In Acts 1.6, after Jesus had risen from the dead, the disciples still didn't get it. They're still expecting Jesus to, uh, to develop an earthly kingdom. It says, when they had come together, they asked, him, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? At this time, will you set up a political kingdom? At this time, will you set up this earthly, a political realm in which we, the disciples, are going to rule next to you? 
You see, they, they, they hadn't yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They hadn't yet received the fullness of the view of the kingdom of God, not understanding that, the, that God's kingdom is not earthly, it's spiritual. God's, well, it is earthly, but it's naturally spiritual. And then it, it, it comes into the earth. This is why we pray, God's, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's kingdom is supposed to become onto the earth and expressed through the church or through Christians who are yielding and obedient to the spirit of God. So, so the, the disciples still didn't understand that, that, that the kingdom that Christ came to bring about a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual rule where God was at the top. And so Jesus comes and they don't recognize him. He didn't fit into their box. They were expecting that revolutionary leader, but Jesus was a servant. Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus was humble. Jesus was a teacher. He was a nonviolent teacher. While everyone wanted the Roman Empire to be overthrown, Jesus came and told a different message. He said, love your enemy. He said, if a Roman soldier comes and slaps you across the right cheek, he said, give him your left cheek too. If a Roman soldier tells you to go one mile, I want you to go two miles with him because it's in loving our enemy in which God's kingdom reigns supreme. It's in loving kindness. It's in this upside down kingdom in which Jesus came preaching. And the people of their day, the Jewish people, that did not fit into their box. And so they missed him. All that to say, Jesus came to bring about the spiritual kingdom or the unseen kingdom, the invisible kingdom in which all people, Jewish people and Gentiles, Jewish people and Americans, Jewish people and Russians, Jewish people and Africans, Jewish people and, and, and all over the world, anyone and all the nations could come to find salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so they didn't understand him and they missed him. They placed limits and they missed Jesus because of the box and their misunderstanding of scripture. And so an interesting fact that, that a biblical statistic you could say is that Jesus came about to bring this unseen kingdom that's everywhere. It's not limited to like a church building or to a place. So one way that I can show you that is two of Jesus's, or two out of 34 of Jesus's miracles were performed in the synagogue. So Jesus, there's documented 34 miracles that Jesus performed. Two of them were in the synagogue, which is basically a church. So God's presence previously dwelt in the synagogue or in the Holy of Holies, but now Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us comes. And now instead of God's presence resting in a place, God's presence was now released to everyone. And it was everywhere. So that means 32 of the 34 miracles that Jesus performed were outside of the church building. Jesus was doing something and communicating a message through his life is that God is everywhere, that his power is everywhere, that his power is his love and his grace is for everyone. Whether it be a Samaritan woman, whether it be a leopard, whether it be someone who's addicted to pornography, whether it be a sexually immoral, adulterous woman, what, no matter who it was, God came to bring about this kingdom that was offered to everyone and everywhere whether it was at a well or whether it was in the city or whether it was on a mountain, it didn't matter. Jesus came to, to, to communicate and, and introduce this new way of living in which anyone and everyone has access to God. 
in which you don't need to go to anyone besides Christ to have connection with God. And here's our message today is that God desires nonstop connection with us. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So we have like amazing worship. I like, who loves worship? Give me your hand if you love worship, right? Do you like that? If you're watching online, give like the emoji where it's like the two hands that are going like this, okay? Give that emoji if you're watching online. And I love worship. And our worship is like amazing. Like Ken and Tiffany and Jeanette, like Jasmine, they do an amazing job of leading us into the presence of God. And I can just tell you from like knowing all of them, like personally, that they are the most genuine, like they love God. Like this may seem like a show because of all the lights and the music, but like these people, like their hearts are so pure. They love Jesus. They love Jesus. And so I just honor them for what they do for us, leading us to the presence of God. But Romans 12, 1 um, that's, that's worship, how we understand it. But Romans 12, 1 has a little different <laughs> description of what true spiritual worship is for us. If you can throw that verse back up, it says, offer your bodies or present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So spiritual worship isn't a song that you sing necessarily, Spiritual worship in the sight of God is when you and I approach him saying nothing is off limits. Is when we approach him, we say, God, my whole life, not just my Sunday, not just my Thursday, not just my Wednesday, not just my 15 minutes in the morning, not just my prayer time before I go to bed, not just anything. Like, God, my whole life is yours. That means like when I go to work, that means when I go to the restaurant, that means when I'm, when I'm talking to someone, I'm talking to a customer service agent on the phone when they messed everything up for me. That means when I'm at a sporting event and the umpire strikes my kids out when I knew it was a ball, but he called it a strike. Like it's nothing's off limits, God. My whole life is yours. Like every part of it, God, make me what you want me to be. Like I am your vessel, God. Everything that I am, I give to you. Everything that I think, I give to you. Everything that I know, God, I lay it at the altar of what your word says and who you are. It says, when you do that, that's spiritual worship. Now, singing songs is amazing and it enters us into God's presence. And it's most powerful when our life is congruent with our song. When our life, not perfection, but when our sincerity and our, and our desires and our pursuit is consistent with our Sunday morning singing. That's when you come in and I know how it goes. I remember, I know how it goes. Like you're singing, you're like, man, I messed up this week a lot, God. Wow. Oh man. Ooh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh man. I, I was angry at my wife. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done that at work. Oh, I shouldn't have looked at that. Ooh, I should, you know, like all these things that we bring them into worship and we carry it over and we're like, we almost feel like we have to earn God's love back for the, for the week that we just had. What if that wasn't the case? What if like before God, every day we are going before God, like the Lord's prayer says, Lord, forgive me because I forgive others. So when we come to church, it's an overflow, a consistent life, integrity, it's wholesome. It's not compartmentalized. It's one life that's consistent through all of the different phases and different seasons and different settings that we're in. Now, I'm not calling this to perfection, but I am calling us to a higher level of consistency and integrity that I think Christian culture in America often loses because of how Christianized we are. It's consistency and integrity offer our whole lives to God. 
So it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through uh, 20, it says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your bodies, or in your body. So God is in us, he's with us. We are a house of the Holy Spirit. Previously, God dwelt in the tabernacle and the temple. God was in physical locations, but God, with the coming of Christ and the tearing of the veil and the resurrection of Jesus, God sent his spirit so that he would live in humans. Men and women from all over the world, God would make his dwelling place people. So think about that. Like you have the Holy Spirit. You have God himself in you that you are a house to the spirit of God. You are a home to God's very presence, his desire, his truth, his nature. You are not just a human who comes to sit in church to listen to someone once a week or twice a week and then go about your day. No, God flipped the script to where you don't have to go to a place. Now all you have to do is by faith, go to God and there you are, you and him. God desires nonstop connection with us. Your house, your body is a house to God. And I know that seems, how could that happen? But the Bible describes it everywhere. And so instead of trying to figure it out, how about we yield to it and and recognize the implications that if God is in us, there are no limits that we can place on God. We don't have to wait to go to church to get a word from God. We don't have to go to worship to wait to God speaks to us. We don't have to go to a Bible study to know God loves us. Literally, now all those things are amazing. I'm not the pastor who tells you don't come to church, okay? I'm telling you, you should come to church. But at the same time, the church is not your savior. Jesus is. Like, like you coming to this building on a Sunday morning might make you feel better because you can tell your friends or tell your kids like, oh, I did my thing. But listen, Jesus did not come so you could sit in this pew. Jesus did not come so you could watch online. Jesus came so that your life, so everything in you would cry out to your savior and so that every part of your life would be integrated. It would be wholesome and not perfection, but there would be a pursuit, a movement, a direction in which you are moving towards Jesus every day, everywhere. Anything less than that, why would, Jesus didn't come so we could go to church. Like literally think about it. In the synagogue, that's where like you went to a place to meet with God to get your sins forgiven. Jesus literally came so you wouldn't, so you wouldn't need to go to church to have a relationship with Jesus. Now, once again, Dwayne, Pastor Dwayne might be mad at me. Okay, I'm going to clarify this. The church is essential and biblical. It is biblical to attend church and to be part of a local body, but it is not our savior. Like this place is an amazing place, but if you feel that you need church in order to get through, then you don't want, you put God in a box because God is way bigger than this building. He's way bigger than my message. He's way bigger than anything that we could offer in this. God is like, he is like with you. And there is nothing, neither height nor depth, angels or demons, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And so we need to recognize that where we might have placed God in the box, whether it be church attendance, whether we placed God in the box because of our family origin, maybe we put placed God in the box because of our past, maybe we put God in the box because of any number of things. But today we recognize that 1 Corinthians 6 says that we are a home, a house to the very spirit of God, that Christ came not just just to send us to heaven, it's a byproduct, 
but he came to turn our lives around so that we might bring glory to God through our relationship with Christ so that others may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven so we might be a part of the redemptive plan of the earth to flip our schools, to flip our jobs, to flip flip our families from paths of destruction towards paths of peace and joy and truth. And it's not by simply attending, although it's a part of it, it's through individual and collective groups of people who say, God, I yield to you. No more complacency, no more church attendance. God, my life is yours forever. My days are yours forever. And my God, you have me. God, you gave everything by sending Christ. God, you can have all of me. So instead of putting God in a box, we recognize that by God sending Jesus, he obliterated the box. There are no limits, no boundaries in which God will take to pursue a relationship with us. And there's nothing that we could do to stop God from pursuing us because he is love and his love is independent. It is independent of our actions or who we are. His love is eternally secure. And he's waiting for us to to respond to the message of Jesus and open our eyes to how God's reaching us. Matthew 4 says this in Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying, change the way you think. God's kingdom, his invisible, his, this, this kingdom of heaven, God's rule, God's domain, God's, like everything that God could do is like here. Just imagine, like imagine like your hand is like here, Like, it's not like there up in heaven. It's not like, you know, over there at the other church. It's not, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like here, it's everywhere. And so we need to be looking. We need to be, we need to be aware that God is, is, is pursuing us, that God has these, these little things that he's looking to build a relationship with us every day and everywhere. So I had a, maybe this has happened to you before, but I have a, I have a, I got a, I bought a Ford Edge like three years ago. Okay. That's my little 2008 Ford Edge. It's 185,000 miles. Actually, I think it's 188 now, but it's a, it's a very reliable car. I love it. Um, but I'm not a car guy. So before I owned this car, I, I didn't even know Ford Edges existed like at all. Right. I just like, we, we looked up some reviews and saw it was a good car. So we bought it, but there's a weird thing happened. Maybe it's happened to you. Once I started driving my Ford Edge, every time I went out on the road, I saw a Ford Edge. Give me a wave if that happened to you. Like, you just like, yeah, that's what I thought. Like, as soon as you start driving the car, you're like, whoa, they're everywhere. And I think the same is true for us. Is the moment that we get let God out of that box, we open our eyes to how God might be reaching us in our everyday life, how he might be sending messages, how he might be communicating, how he might be by showing us his love and his care and his nearness to us. The more that we open our eyes to God's involvement in our everyday life, the more we start seeing it. The more that we start realizing that God is a loving father who has shown his, himself through his son and has given us his word so that we can know the truth, but also so that we can experience him, so we can notice him and build a dynamic relationship that goes beyond just the religious duties that we might feel we need to, to do. In which he builds a personal connection with you that nobody else has, a special history with you that nobody, that you can't even explain to anyone else, but because you are searching, because you are hungry, because you want God, you build a relationship. 
And so this is what it says in Matthew 5, 6. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And part of my story is that I was at a place of total complacency in my faith when I was about 20 years old. So complacent, right? Just check marks, checking the boxes. And then all of a sudden, I, God got a hold of me at about 20, and I just was so unsatisfied with living a West Michigan version of Christianity. I was so sick of living this Americanized, right? A church attendance, like, like just try to be good, put on, a, put on a mask and put on a face. And I said to God, God, I give you my whole life. And I became hungry and I became searching and I would look everywhere and it, went, it turned from a church attendance to an everyday life in which I was searching and hungry. And I just, God, I want you and take everything else away, God. I want my life to matter in your sight. The world may hate me, the world may mock me, they may not understand, God, but I've seen in your word and I know from your love and what you've shown me, God, that I'm searching after you every day. No questions asked. I'm searching for you. And what I found is that those who search for God usually find God. So there's a verse about that, isn't there? James, it says, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. There's this weird thing that it's not that you're earning it, but God's so desperately pursuing us that the moment that we open our eyes, shift our perspective, let him out of the box, we're like, I found you. And he was like, Jamie, he was like me with my student, Jamie. He's like, I was here all along. You just put me in that box. The moment we shift our perspective that God is dying to have a personal connection with us is the moment that we start seeing him just like how you see your car the first time you drove in after you got a new car. Let's start looking. God desires nonstop connection with us. And my question is that are we aware of God's leading or are we aware of how God is leading us? I want to share just a quick story. It's, it's, it may seem silly to you, but it's not to me. I was in college. I was about 21 and I was in chemistry class. One of my college students who are going through chemistry. Let me pray for you real quick. Okay. Um, I was in a chemistry class and I had a water bottle and my water bottle um, dripped some water and it fell on the desk and I noticed it. And then all of a sudden the picture is going to show up. And I also noticed, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is the shape of a heart. How cool. And then all of a sudden, literally within an instant, I can't explain it to you. All I can explain is a thought popped into my head and it said this. It said, Jake, I love you. You're my son. That was the thought. But the weird thing is, one of the ways that you know God's communicating to you is when a thought pops in and then it like, the only way I can describe it is it like moves to your heart or like it moves beyond just a thought. And I started to contemplate it. And I started realizing as a, as a 21 year old, I was like, wow, God, you really do love me. Like, God, like you're, you're so present, even in my chemistry class, God, you, not that God caused the heart, but he used the heart. He used that heart shaped water to communicate a message to me that I needed, which was that I was loved and that I was a part of his family. And that he was, he was in the chemistry class with me. Don't tell me how to, do, I don't know how he does it, but he does it. It says this in Psalm 119, one through two, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork day to day, day to day, pours out speech and night to night, he reveals knowledge. So God has revealed himself through Christ and through his word. 
That is ultimately where we find truth. It's where we find the, the nature of God and the nature of humanity and the nature of sin and the nature of salvation. But God has given us the earth. He's given us nature. He's given us our world, excuse me, in order that we might interact with God in a personal relationship. You see, we can know all that we can about the Bible and you can miss out on a relationship with God. You can know the perfect theology, but not know God. You can, you can, you can know all the scriptures and yet not have the connection with Jesus. You see, he gave us the scriptures to guide us into truth, but he gave us the nature and the world and he gave us our lives to discover a personal relationship with Jesus that transcends into eternity once we pass away. And this is the beauty, the heavens declare the glory of God. When the sunrise comes up, you see the faithfulness of God that he made another day. When, 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 when the stars come out, you see, the, the, you see, wow, like his thoughts for me outnumber the stars in the sky. When you go to Holland Beach later this afternoon for 4th of July and you pick up some sand and all the sand that you pick up in your hand, you say, wow, his thoughts for me outnumber the grains of sand. And when you go out and you see a water droplet on your desk in college, you see, wow, God's love for me is eternal and it's real. You see, we need to take the boxes that we've placed, the limits off of God because he is ready to develop personal history, a personal relationship with you if we would just open our eyes and present our lives to God and say, God, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for the real thing. And so I'm gonna end with three thoughts Three ways, it's practical ways that we can start letting God out of the box. Like three practical ways that anyone can start like today or this week. So the first, first thing, first practical takeaway is offer your day to God in the morning. Offer your day to God. We talked about in Romans 12 that we offer our lives to God, but a personal application to that is instead of offering your life, now offer him your day. Offer him your day. When you wake up in the morning, Say something like this, God, how do you, I don't even know what today's gonna look like. And I have anxiety, all these family problems. I have, man, finances are really tight, God, but today I give you my life. God, I give you my work, I give you my parenting, I give you my friends. God, God today I'm gonna look for you. God, and I know that if I look, I'll find you. So God, I give you today, help me, help me to reflect your love today. It's just as simple as that. There's no magic words, it's sincerity. It's sincerity, it's faith coming to God saying, you know what, God, here's my day. And guess what? You do that a few, a few days, you do that a few weeks and your life will look a lot different than when you, before you did that because you'll start entering into relationship with Christ instead of just religious activity that we get sucked into being in West Michigan. Right on? The second thought is to slow down throughout your day. Man, we are so busy. Man, these things, these things, I mean, technology is amazing because we have people watching on their phones right now and, you know, online and it's, it's so amazing, but it's also, it's as amazing as it is, it's so, it's so, it's so dangerous. It's so damaging. And not just our phones, it's our, it's our kids, man. We got our kids in year-round sports. We got and we got kids playing travel soccer, travel baseball, travel softball, travel volleyball. And I'm not condemning that. I did that in high school. I played college basketball. I, I did that. But 
We live our lives so busy dropping our kids off at this, making sure we go to the family gatherings, making sure we got this, making sure we got that, you know, going to everything and anything. And we're so busy, so busy, so busy. We're grinding, 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 grinding. And then we miss, like, we don't even have time to recognize God. If God had a big flashing yellow light saying, it's God, most of the time you drive right down 131, not even realizing it. Because we're so busy. So slow down throughout your day. This is what it says in Psalm 46. It says, be still and know that I'm God. This is such a simple command. It's like slow down and recognize that I'm here. That's another step to start letting God out of your box. It's just to slow down, slow down. Maybe if you're on social media, maybe take, maybe instead of doing like a fast from social media right away, maybe say, you know what? Like I'm gonna take like three hours where I just put my phone off from social media. Maybe you're a high schooler or a college student. Maybe you set your time limits where you don't get notifications for, for a few hours. Maybe you start doing things just to force yourself to slow down because I know how hard it is to slow down just in general. Me telling you to slow down doesn't actually help you slow down. It takes us doing small things that build habits, that build disciplines, that open our eyes up to how close God is. And it gives our mind a break from all the other stimuli. Third thing is start looking. So it's not enough to just start off your day with prayer. It's not enough just to slow down. We have to start looking. And God is way more involved in our lives than we could ever imagine. He's way more present. He's way more loving. He's way more fatherly. He's way, like, he is like in your life way more than you could ever imagine. And if we'll start looking for how God's pursuing us, we will find him. And we'll start to develop this personal history with God that, that, that is alive and active, that is, that is real, that is, that, is, that is filled with peace and adventure. And so I wanna end today with just a story. We had a student in our youth group. Um, he, this happened about three years ago, maybe two and a half years ago. And he was a basketball, uh, he's a basketball player. He's a really good basketball player. He got pulled up to varsity as a freshman. And he's just really good. And his sophomore year, he got, he was playing basketball and he got like undercut. And then he actually fractured a part of his neck, like his vertebrae. So we had like the big cast on, you know what I'm saying? When you walk around like this, you're like, you know what I'm talking about? And he's walking around like that. And he was devastated. I mean, think about like when you're 15, 16 and the thing that you've given your life to, like basketball gets taken away from you. It's just like, God, why did you let this happen? Like, what is going on? This is devastating to this young man. And he was, he was talking with me and talking to his small group leader um, about it and just navigating this whole, this whole process of really being just, just totally broken. And he was out, he told me this story and actually shared this with our youth group on this, this testimony, but he was out on his porch and he was praying to God and he was saying, God, I just need to know that everything's gonna be okay. I mean, he just, he, he was just in this place of calling, crying out to God. So he got, he said, God, he didn't even ask God to heal him. He just said, God, I need to know that everything's gonna be okay. So would you just turn, just, just, to, just to let me know that everything's gonna be okay, can you turn this guy purple? <laughs> That's why I love high schoolers. They don't have limits on God. This is the picture that he took about 10 minutes later. Now, there was an actual, for those of you that are skeptics, there's an actual explanation for why this guy was purple that night. It had to do with like a, green, a greenhouse that was reflecting some purple lights. The point isn't that like this guy was purple. The point is, is that what are the odds? You, high schoolers, middle school, you play what are the odds, right? You know, what are the odds that, that he prays that and then 10 minutes later, this guy turns purple? You see, God is way bigger than your box. He's a fatherly, caring God 
who sent his son Jesus to tear the veil, to obliterate the boxes so that we can have an actual relationship with Jesus. And whether it's, I don't know if God will turn the sky purple for you. (laughs) Probably not, maybe. But he is closer than you think. He's more loving than you think. He knows more than you think. And he's just waiting like a good dad who would never push himself into his kid's life, just waiting for you to be desperate and hungry enough. Say, God, I'm looking, where are you? So God, he desires nonstop connection with us. My encouragement to us as we close is just to start looking and realize that through the the sacrifice that Jesus made, that the veil was torn, the boxes are broken, the limits are off, and that Jesus has paid the price for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I wanna just offer you a space, kind of like a quiet space. Maybe this message resonated with you and you're realizing some of the limits and, and areas of growth that maybe you can, you can start walking in. I wanna just give you a, just a one minute I wanna just give you one minute to dialogue just with God, with sincerely, just in your own heart. No one's watching, you don't have to do this. Just dialogue sincerely about your desire to know God more and to see him in the everyday. Maybe you need to, to, to repent or change the way you think and say, God, I'm sorry for putting you in a box. But just take one minute of silence just to, to pray with God. We never wanna close without giving people an opportunity to respond to the call for, for salvation and the forgiveness of sin. So maybe you're here today and, and you know you're not right with God. Maybe you're watching online and you know that you're not right with God. Like, so today I wanna to give you an opportunity to respond to God's calling and reaching you. Because if you're recognizing that, it's not because of your just simply your conscience. It's because God is reaching you. God has has brought you here this morning on the 4th of July, maybe brought you to watch online because he loves you and he wants to forgive you and he desires to have nonstop connection with you. The way to nonstop connection and relationship with God is is only through the Son. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you're here and you'd like to respond to that offer of forgiveness of your sin, I'm gonna give you that chance right now. So on the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. When you raise your hand, there's nothing special about it. It's just more so an outward expression of something that's happening inside. But what you are saying is that I believe I'm a sinful and broken person, that I could never fix myself, and that I need Jesus. I need his offer 
I need his death and his resurrection to cover my sin and mistakes so that I can be forgiven. By raising your hand, it's just an, inward, an outward expression of that inward decision of faith in Christ. So that's you on the count of three. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three, raise it up. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand. Hands going up all over, I see him. If you raised him up, thank you, thank you, thank you. God, it doesn't matter that I see you, God sees you. He sees your heart, he sees where you're at. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. So today's not, today's not just a raising your hand, it's an offering of your life. In exchange, your life for the life that God has for you. And so would everyone just uh, pray with me? Repeat after me as we pray. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for forgiving me, for sending Jesus to die on the cross, and to raise him back to life so that I could have a relationship with you. God, I give you my life, this broken and messed up life. And I ask that you help me in the days to come. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.